We meet today in Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 14 to verse 17. We're looking at the cluster of henna flowers, and behold, you are fair. You see here, the bride continues to speak of her delight in her bridegroom. The Shulamite will then relate an intimate dialogue between the shepherd and herself. She will begin with the words of the shepherd, You are fair. Its double use here indicates the ardor of the young man's love for the beautiful maiden. And then you are also introduced to the dove, which is symbolic of gentleness, according to Matthew 10, verse 16. They are also known for fidelity, having only one mate for life. So it's very important to see the use of the doves. Verse 16 to verse 17 contain the reply of the Shulamite. She replies that he too is handsome. More than that, he is pleasant, and the word pleasant talks of luxuriant, and their place of meeting was also luxuriant. Their couch did not have the artificial beauty of Solomon's. Their couch was the green carpet of the fields, and their palace consisted of the beautiful cedar and of our rafters of fair. This is indeed an important subject for us to consider. We last looked at the statement that highlighted how the bride had been taken into the banqueting house or into the banqueting table, the round table of the shepherd. And of course, then they came into a wonderful fellowship. That fellowship also led to something that was to be treasured and kept highly right at the heart, right at the heart. We talked of our need, my friend, you and I, to value Christ, to miss Christ, so that even when we are to wake up in the middle of the night, we think upon him and meditate upon him. Now let us continue as we learn more about marital love as much as we learn also about our walk with Christ as a church and even as individuals. Song of Songs 1 verse 14 My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. Now, the henna blooms mentioned here is the cypress. In some versions, it is translated campai or henna flowers, and the flowers of the cypress are that color. The flowers grow in dense clusters, the graceful fragrance of which is as much appreciated now as in the time of Solomon. The women take pleasure in these clusters. They hold them in their hands and carry them in their bosom, and they keep them in their apartments to perfume the air. Now notice the comparison of the camphor or the cypress to the bridegroom. What a lovely thing it is. He says, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. Now you may recall that the area around Engedi is a wilderness where David hid 
from his enemy Saul. It is a good hiding place. I don't see how anyone could be found in those barren hills. But at Engedi, many kinds of lovely spices are grown there. It is a very interesting spot in the midst of that desolate desert. And the bridegroom is like a cluster of camphor in the vineyards of Engedi. He is like a row of those stately trees with that lovely fragrance. Christ as our beloved is represented here as being full of attractive beauty and an aromatic fragrance. You may recall that in the Old Testament, the meal offering typified this, the even quality of Christ's personality. It is well-beaten flour, never coarse or lumpy. And that's the picture we are given here. Christ is attractive. There is a fragrance in him. And of course, his love is irresistible. He is a wonderful God who loved us so much. You see, Christ is the perfect human in his incarnation. He is lovely. He is the bundle of camphor, if you like. He is the one of whom John could say with enthusiasm and deep expression, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1 verse 29. If you will hear him, your soul shall live. Or as the psalmist says, all test and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34 verse 8. The Lord Jesus was a sacrifice. He has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Ephesians 5 verse 2. Christ typified the burnt offering that ascended up to heaven. It all speaks of the fact that God is completely satisfied with what Jesus did for you and for me. He is satisfied with Christ. He said in Matthew 3, verse 17, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Oh, isn't that amazing? He has never said that about Asafa Makanga. He has never said that about you. And probably he has never said it about anyone in the world except Christ. But he declared that he is satisfied with Jesus. My friend, are you satisfied with Jesus? I don't think many people are. If they were, they wouldn't be running here and there all over the face of the earth trying to find satisfaction in something else. People will not have done like what Solomon tried. He tried nature, he tried science, he tried the natural laws, he tried philosophy and psychology, he tried uh, pleasure, he tried riches, he tried egotism, he tried even doing good. He was never satisfied. People run to hear this thing and that thing always searching for something that is new. We can even become so engrossed in the mechanics and the details of Bible study that we lose sight of the person of Jesus Christ. It is only the person of Jesus Christ who satisfies us. How wonderful he is. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyard of Engede. Even in the desert, Christ is the one who satisfies. Behold, you are fair. 
after the bride has expressed her adoration of the bridegroom. He says this to her. The bridegroom responds, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Song of Songs 1 verse 15. And her instant response is in the following verse, Behold, you are fair, my love. She is the one who said, Don't look on me because I am dark, because the sun has turned me. But he says to her, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. My friend, actually, as the bride of Christ, we have sinned. We can confess with Daniel, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Daniel 9 verse 5. This is the confession of every person, if he is a child of God. We see this confession even in this girl earlier on. She had said, don't look on me. I am dark. I am sun-tanned. When we come to God, we don't come to him boasting. When we come to Christ, we don't bring to him anything that is beautiful. But it is such a wonderful thing to have him declare to us and say, Behold, you are fair, my love. Our Lord Jesus intercedes for us, my friend. And when we read, in John 17, verse 6, we hear part of his pleading with the Father. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. You see, this is our high priest who is pleading for you and me. Because we are in Christ Jesus, the Father sees no iniquity in us. As God would not see the iniquity of Jacob or the perverseness in Israel, and who do not permit Balaam to kiss them. God went down and dealt with his own people. He wouldn't let them get by with sin. But God would not let a heathen prophet curse Israel. He saw Israel in Christ. That is the way he sees you and me. And so he says, behold, you are fair. That does not remove the fact that you are dark because the sun has turned you. This does not remove the fact that you are unacceptable as it were because you have sinned, because you have failed many times. But it is our beloved who looks at us and says, Behold, you are fair. Now the secret of this beauty is in this. You have dove's eyes. Now doves are common emblems of chastity and consistency or constants, if you like. Her eyes are fixed upon the bridegroom, and all her beauty is the reflected beauty of the bridegroom. Now, that is very important to note. Jesus said, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Matthew 6, verse 22. And also it will be full of beauty. By gazing on the Lord Jesus, fixing our eyes on Christ, who is altogether lovely, who is altogether beautiful, will suddenly reflect that beauty in us. 
If you keep on gazing on something that is evil, you will reflect that evilness. If you keep on gazing on something that is ugly, that ugliness will tend to then reflect or project away from you. That which you spend your time gazing upon will reflect in you. My friend, take the wonderful advice from the word of the Lord. Gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will become altogether lovely because he is the rose of Sharon blossoming in the shades of hell. He is the one altogether lovely and when we gaze on him, his beauty is reflected and he will declare to us, Behold, you are fair. A believer who has an eye for anything equally with Christ has no beauty in his sight. Jesus laid it on the line. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10 verse 37. You see, it is important for you to answer this question. Do you have your eye fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ today? Because some may have their eyes fixed upon their mother, fixed upon their husbands, fixed upon their wives, fixed upon their children, fixed upon their work or their recreational activities. Jesus put it there on the line. If you love anything more than me, if you have your eye fixed on something else other than me, you are not worthy of me. You cannot be my followers. Now I hear a great deal about dedication in many of the conferences I attend. People are always talking about how dedicated they are and how they want to manifest Christ. But these very people are actually very lazy. Their service is slipshod. You see, dedication is not something to talk about here, my friend. Dedication to Christ is something that you reveal. If you spend your time on Christ, you will reveal dedication. It will be manifested in your life. If your eye is upon Christ, then his beauty will be reflected in you. The bridegroom has told the bride how wonderful she is. Now she turns right around and says the very same thing to him. Listen to her. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, your bed is green. The beams of our houses are cedar and our rafters of fur. You see, the bridegroom is beautiful to those of us who believe. The bridegroom is beautiful. He is altogether lovely. Augustine wrote, talking about Jesus Christ, he is fair in heaven. He is fair in the earth, fair in the virgin's womb. He was the holy thing, fair in the arms of his parents, fair in the miracles, fair in the stripes, fair in laying down his life, fair in receiving it again, fair on the cross, fair in the sepulchre. And that was Augustine. This was the way Augustine that great saint of God of the past described the Lord Jesus Christ. He is fair. Yes, pleasant. The word here is the Hebrew word Naim that is used to describe the wonderful melodies of the sanctuary. 
Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. Psalm 135 verse 3. You see, Christ is present. He is lovely. Why would anyone want to run away from the Lord Jesus Christ? He is so wonderful. The word is also used here to describe a chosen earthly friend. David said of his loyal friend Jonathan, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Second Samuel 1 verse 26. Now what can we say of the one who is greater than Jonathan, Jesus Christ? Can you say that he is pleasant to you? It is sweet to be with him. He is the one who can bring us rest. And he will also bring to us that rest. Are you satisfied with him? God the Father is satisfied with him. Behold, you are fair, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bird is green. Now, the bed is the English translation for lack of a better word there. It is actually the reclining couch where they sat around the banquet. Especially at the time of a marriage feast, the banquet couch would be strewn with flowers and green leaves. And I think this would be the meaning of the green bed if the setting is in Jerusalem. However, it may be that this is referring back to the time when they first met and now is speaking of the green grass where the sheep were. Maybe they just sat on the grass while the sheep were grazing and that is where they first got acquainted with each other. It would signify the place of communication. But also we are reminded of David's psalm. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Psalm 23 verse 2. When the sheep lie down in green pastures, he is satisfied. He has eaten enough and he is full. It is the answer to Christ's invitation to come to him and rest. Christ invites all who are weary and heavy laden to come. The green pastures are there for us, my friend. If you are tired and weary, you can find rest in Christ. And rest in Christ talks of a relationship. It talks of enlightenment. It talks of support. It talks of his teaching and training you. Now, it has been expressed, that rest has been expressed this way by a moody steward. Heavy, laden, and hopeless Thou art seeking peace afar off, and passing him who is near, like Hagar in the desert, with the last drop drained from the now shriveled water skin. Thou art ready to lie down and die, but open thine ears, and thou wilt hear one say, Come to me, I will give you rest. Open thine eyes, and thou wilt see the well and the green sword around it, and with a full heart thou wilt answer him, Behold, thou art pleasant, also our couch is green. Oh, what a beautiful picture is painted by the saints of old here. Now, do you remember where he reclined? 
Christ, when he first came to this earth, they put him in a manger. The last place they laid him was in the tomb of Joseph. He went to that place so that you and I might sit with him in green pastures. He went through that despised place so that you and I might sit with him in the green pastures. And that is why he invites every one of you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Why do you spend your money on that which does not satisfy? He who comes to me, nowhere will I turn away. For I will never leave you nor forsake you, says the Lord. And may God encourage us and bless us and strengthen you and me as we seek to serve him, to just seek that relationship with him which is intimate, which is, which can be described in the language that we hear, even as uh, exhibited in a marital love relationship. That's how deep he calls us and invites us to a relationship with him. In fact, Paul's prayer in the book of Ephesians is that we need to come to a point where we can know how high, how deep, how wide, how low his love for us is. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code 27 followed by 7264144475. From within South Africa, it's 072-641-4475.